Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we look at the diaspora effect in African football. With the movement of Africans all across the world, we have many footballers with African roots living in Europe and elsewhere around the world. They can potentially strengthen the national teams of the countries where they have their roots. Now nine newcomers from the diaspora were included in the Zimbabwe squad for the recent under-23 qualifiers, including Matifadza Zata, who grew up in Scotland. I really enjoy the atmosphere and how passionate everyone is here. Uh, yeah, I would like to play here if I got a chance for the senior squad. Well, lots on this coming up, plus plenty on the English Premier League, where the battle for the title and the top four places continues as Manchester United dropped vital points against Wolves. That's all coming up, but first, the first legs of the quarterfinals of the CAF Champions League take place this Saturday. Holders Esperance of Tunisia will be in Algeria playing Constantine, who've done well, having made it to the group stage for the first time. Esperance lost the CAF Super Cup last weekend to Confederation Cup winners Raja Casablanca of Morocco. 2017 champions Widat Casablanca play away to Horoya of Guinea. Horoya difficult to beat at home, but they did fire their coach Patrice Neveur, the Frenchman, after he took the team to the quarterfinals. Five-time champions TP Mazembe of DR Congo play at home to Simba of Tanzania. Simba at this stage for the first time ever. And a huge clash in Egypt as eight-time champions Al-Athli play Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa. Sundowns were the 2016 champions. So some very tough battles there. So our main focus this week is the diaspora effect in football. A national team is the pride of the nation in many ways, and it represents the nation on the pitch. It's a great privilege for players to feature for their national team, and something that is the biggest dream of many players. These days we have many footballers who are born in other countries but with roots to a nation in Africa. If they're talented enough, this gives them a choice of representing their new nation or the country of their parents. If they choose to play for their parents' country in Africa, it can lead to the national team having a great mixture of backgrounds and cultures. We experienced this recently here in Zimbabwe with the qualifiers for the Under-23 Africa Cup of Nations. For the second round matches last month, we had a new coach and he decided to look for players with Zimbabwean roots in Europe and elsewhere. It led to a very interesting mix in the squad. Now, in Zimbabwe, because of the economic decline over the past 20 years, millions of Zimbabweans have left the country to seek better fortunes in South Africa, in the UK and many other places such as the USA, Australia and various European nations. Some took their children with them, some have had children in their new country. So the squad for the Under-23 Nations Cup tie against Mozambique had nine foreign-based players in it, many of whom hadn't been to Zimbabwe for many, many years. They've had a high level of football development, but varying levels of familiarity with Zimbabwe. Here's Matifadza Zata, who's 18 and is with Dundee United in Scotland. He's on loan to a junior club called Tayport. He spoke to my colleague Simba Chiminya. 
Uh, I was born here, uh, lived here for three years and then uh, immigrated to Scotland and I've I never came back since, this is my first time back. And the first time that uh, you were told you were coming to Zimbabwe to play football, what uh, was going through your mind? I was excited, I'm always, always looking for new experiences and also it gave me a chance to come back and see what I came from and uh, it was a real eye-opener and just uh, realises what I could be in and what I have. But did you at one time dream that uh, you would come and play for Zimbabwe? Yeah, it was always it was always in the back of my mind. I'm obviously I'm only 18, one of the younger players in the squad. I didn't think it would happen this early, but for it to happen this early and to be called up to 23s is brilliant. You're 18, and uh, other people would uh, say after maybe 23 or so, you might want to switch allegiance and probably play for another country. But for you? For me, uh, no. I really enjoy the atmosphere and how passionate everyone is here. Uh, yeah, I would like to play here if I got a chance for the senior squad. But growing up, are we inspired you in terms of uh, football from Zimbabwe? Uh, going about, uh, really, it was everything to do with my mum. She was my real inspiration to everything. She taught me the basic roots of just not giving up and keep going if you get knocked down and I think she picked that up from a young age growing up in Zimbabwe so I took it from her. That's Matty Fadzazata, a black Zimbabwean with a very strong Scottish accent and reward Mwakana is a defender playing in Northern Ireland. Yeah that was always my dream when I was young like hopefully one day like I'll even get to the senior team but just to play for the 23s like it's a great honour like I really thank God for this opportunity yeah it's been great and who inspired you most growing up obviously because I live in Manchester like Benjamin Nguadwaro played for Manchester City as well before so seeing someone from my home country doing that playing for a great club as well there it makes you like dream more it makes you think you can do it as well if they can do it as well so I can say him and obviously my family as well they do like inspire me as well to do what I do and uh, how many times have you been to Zimbabwe before since you left? This is the first time, yeah, in nine years. It was nearly ten now, but yeah, this is the first time. It's been great, like, because I came, like, a few days before the camp, so I managed to see some of my family as well, and seeing all the new players, the players as well, making friends, it's been great. That's Reward Makana, referring there to Benjani Mwarawari, who played for Manchester City. Now, midfielder Seth Patrick was born in Zimbabwe, but his family moved to the UK with him when he was just a few weeks old. He's now moved to Germany to develop his footballing skills. He was back in Zimbabwe for the first time. I was just so excited. And I, when, I, when I first found out, it was um, just joy. I was just so happy to play for my country. I've always wanted to play for my country, Zimbabwe. So to get the, the final call up, it was, it was just great, it was great. Yeah, we see at times people might say that uh, at some stage you also want to change allegiance and play for another country, but uh, would you also change? Change to England? Yeah. Ah, uh, no, I don't think so. Me, my heart is here, my country is here. I don't, there's no reason for me to play for England when I've got a beautiful country to play for, like Zimbabwe. Um, the football here is great, always challenging for, for cups and competitions. The country is great, so there's no reason for me to play t- for England, even though I play football there. This is my country, so I will always play for Zimbabwe. And uh, growing up, uh, which players inspired you most uh, from Zimbabwe? From Zimbabwe, uh, Peter Nlovu, he played in England, so he was the one that most mostly inspired me to play about football. He played in cities near me, like Coventry, so uh, yeah, him, mostly him.
and also probably your message also to other players that are of Zimbabwean heritage out there in Europe. If you are a Zimbabwean player and playing foreignly in Europe, I think always just appreciate where you come from. Like wherever you are playing in, in Europe, if you're talented and you you get a chance to play for Zim, I think you should always take it because that's your motherland, your home country. Wherever you're playing football, it's not your homeland. This Zimbabwe is your homeland, so it's always great to play for your country, especially an African country like. Zimbabwe has so much culture and heritage, there's so much there to play for. So I think you should always play for your country, which is Zimbabwe, if you are Zimbabwean, yeah. So a high level of commitment there from Seth Patrick. So Solomon, this is the future of football in Africa in many ways, as there's more and more migration and people from all over Africa going to countries all over the world. And there are so many players dotted all over the globe who could have a chance to play for the country where their roots are. And these Zimbabwean players certainly seem to love the country where their roots are. Well, most definitely. Uh, you know, football has changed the demographics of uh, each national team, be it the under-17, under-23, or the main national team has changed. Over the years, we've seen it. And uh, just, uh, you know, the Zim players are clear, you know, example of where the future is going. You know, migration is heavy. Uh, Africans have migrated. Uh, you know, they, there are second-generation Zimbabweans all over the world, second-generation Egyptians, Nigerians, Ghanaians all over the world. Uh, even though they, you know, they, their accent is is Scottish or is British or is American or they speak French, but at the same time, they they're looking forward to you know connecting to to the country of the birth of their their parents. And, and it's always important, you know, to do that. You know, it's about bringing different cultures together. And we see a generation that is actually looking forward to enjoying every other culture. Uh, and uh, this Zim players, certainly, as young as they are, looking forward to it, looking forward to, you know, experiencing what their parents have been telling them about, which they never really experienced because they've been away for so many, so many years and uh, they can't remember basically a lot of, uh, you know, the, the little growing up they had in, in Zim. So we, we have to look for talents wherever the talents are, as long as they're willing and ready to uh, embrace the identity of Zimbabwe or Ghana or Nigeria or South Africa, uh, wherever they grew up, in Switzerland, in the, in the UK, in, in France, you know, in Russia, as long as they are ready to embrace that identity. And I think a lot of it is about the identity. And I think for, for young, young players also, they always, they're, they're always open to, to learn and to experience other cultures. Uh, some of them come from cities or football clubs that are also very multicultural. So it's not going to be a new thing for them to learn another language or learn a you know, the food of another different culture. Uh, you know, all that is important for them to be able to to have that Zimbabwe identity, you know. And I think Zimbabwe, you know, as long as there's going to be uh, a single identity that all the players could relate to, uh, I think it's, we're moving into exciting times. There are a lot of talented players all over the world that could bring, you know, a different uh, slant and different experiences and different uh, opportunities for Zimbabwe. So why not use them? Because that is uh, definitely very important. Absolutely. It will help to build the strength of your national team. Um, so this is a relatively new thing here in Zimbabwe, Solomon, but uh, it's been the case uh, for a while in Nigeria, where players have grown up in the UK, Germany, Russia and elsewhere and have chosen to play for Nigeria. But uh, is it a positive or negative thing, as there are so many different backgrounds and perspectives that the coach has to deal with? 
It's, it's a plus. Uh, the future of any team sport is definitely multicultural and uh, multiracial in some cases. You know, Nigeria has, you know, started this whole diversity thing and including players born outside of Nigeria to Nigerian parents. I think in the late, uh, late 90s or so, we saw a player like Ruben Agbola, who played for Sunderland, if I remember very well, he was actually one of the first players to do that. You know, uh, we're supposed to have a player like John Fashanu uh, play for Nigeria, but he was already committed to, to England. Uh, so it, it didn't happen. But then we saw that gradually, and we saw people like uh, Osazi or Domingue coming in much later. And we've seen that across other countries also. We have to be able to have a coach that is able to deal with uh, players from different backgrounds and different perspectives, you know, uh, different religious backgrounds. And I think creating a national identity through this diversity is a positive thing because at the end of the day, it's about trying to see how you can bring every single player to embrace the identity of that nation. Sure. Let's hear briefly from another Zimbabwe under-23 player. This is Sharma Bako, who grew up in England and is now playing in Germany, here on the issue of the type of football played. Yeah, um, it's a good feeling playing back for Zimbabwe. It's back home and it's a different experience from playing in Europe. It's a different style of play. You know, it's, it's quicker than Europe, it's more physical, So, and it suits me as a player, so I like playing back in Africa, back at home. So, Solomon, we can have players who grew up exposed to different styles of play coming together to play for their national team in Africa, which itself has a different style of play. Is this a problem? Take, for example, if you have somebody, you know, growing up in Italy uh, and and then you have to play for, for a country like Ghana or a country like uh, Nigeria or Senegal who try to, uh, you know, play a certain type of football that is free-flowing and uh, not just the, the hard way of playing. And But I think a lot of players uh, lately are, are able to adapt. They, they trained and brought up in such a way that they, they're able to adapt. And also football national teams are also able to adapt and change their styles depending on who they're playing or what sort of tournament they're in. So when you have players from a country that plays totally different type of style playing for a national team, I think they, they, would, uh, they would look at it as a, as a plus. Because uh, if you don't do that, then it becomes a problem. When you have players that are not ready to adapt to any style of play, then it becomes a problem. And sometimes it's difficult for players to change their style of play. So, so it, it's, it, it all depends on the player and it also depends on the, on the coach. All that is very important. Sure. Well, interesting times in African football with so many players in the diaspora these days. This is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too, that's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby podcast, plus interviews that you can read with various sports stars, including Brazil's Kaká and Cameroon's Collins Fai. That's on our New Look website, planetsport.tv. Well, now we turn to social media, and last week we asked how important is it for a club to be coached by a former player? In African football, it's been common for a team to be coached by someone with a strong connection to the club, someone who was a star player or maybe one who came through their youth structures and who understands the club. 
On the other hand, we are seeing more foreign coaches coming to the top clubs in Africa. In the English Premier League, only three clubs are managed by former players. That's Roy Hodgson at Crystal Palace, Eddie Howe at Bournemouth and, of course, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. Well, on this on WhatsApp, John in Ghana says, I think it is a good idea for clubs to appoint their former players to manage the team. They know the philosophy and the tactics, so appointing them to lead the team is really good for me as a Manchester United fan, says John. Mamadou in the Gambia says most clubs see that former players understand the way the club has run during their time as a player. Solskjaer is an example. Moyes came to Man United with his own philosophy and failed. Likewise, Van Hull and Mourinho. But when Solskjaer was appointed, we started to see United playing the way they played during Solskjaer's playing days. And it's very good, says Mamadou. To Nigeria and Rahim Isiaka agrees, saying it's a very good idea for a club to hire a former player as a manager, as he knows the culture of the club. Lamin Sisse in the Gambia says, I have two examples, one in Africa and one in Europe. First, the Senegal national team has been under the management of Aliou Sisse, who's led the team to becoming the best team in Africa on the rankings. And in Europe, look at Manchester United. Within just a month, Solskjaer changed the style and brought the team back to what it was several years ago, says Lamine. John in Uganda says it's a good thing for the club to be coached by a former player or those who were in the structure, also because they know the club very well. But Mohamed in the Gambia sees both advantages and disadvantages. In my point of view, a club coached by a former player is at an advantage, says Mohamed, because as a former player, you would truly know the club footballing philosophy, which would help them in a positive way. However, it can be a disadvantage because at times it may be difficult to control the team if it's one of the biggest in the world due to your inexperience and the team can suffer a lack of positive results, says Mohamed. Haruna Cham, also in the Gambia, sounds a note of caution, saying it might be good sometimes for a former player to coach the team, but bad if he focuses too much on the memories he had during his playing days, says Haruna. Also in the Gambia, Bakari Tamba is convinced that former players make the best coaches. And because it's only a former player who knows the history of the club much better than any other foreign coach, says Bakari. Dan Ogega in Kenya agrees, saying that they have an affection for the team. Once they're given the job, they'll do a good job in keeping the club in good shape. It's like coming full circle for them, says Dan. We always welcome your voice notes. And from the Gambia, here's Michael Mbaka. Uh, well, the, my own opinion is that former players, I think, should be given the chance, provided that they've applied and they meet some of the requirements. Because, you know, you cannot just come from the Blues and you want to coach a particular team because you are from that country. You know, but if you are from that team and you are well recommended, and then the, automatically you should be given the chance. Thanks there to Michael Mbaka. And here's Ibrima Kante, also in the Gambia. For me, to coach your former team, I believe, is a good thing because your former team, you yourself, you'll, you'll be a person that knows the ins and outs of the team. You once played for the team, you know the tradition of the fans, the environment of the club. The best coaches around the world once coached their former team, like Pep Guardiola. You see them, Zidane Zidane, he coached Real Madrid and won three Champions League in a row. Pep Guardiola coached Barcelona, played for Barcelona and coached Barcelona and built a very strong team, a well-renowned team in Barcelona. And this is a great thing to do. If you look at here in the Gambia, you see some of these 
local coaches that we are having. Some of them played for the team, graduated and become a coach for the team and they are successful with the team. Were well reasoned there, thanks to Ebrima Kante. Lamine Sonko in the Gambia also looks to the example of Zinedine Zidane and the success he had with Real Madrid and says, I'll buy the idea of former players coaching their former clubs, especially in our beloved continent of Africa, says Lamine. Gamo is a Cameroonian living in the United States. He believes former players can make good coaches, but that success will not necessarily be automatic. It's advantageous, says Gamo, because the player understands the club system, the style, the standards and mentality of the club. But the chances of success will depend on many other factors. But I like good enough players to fit into the club system. And finally, Mamadou Lamine Kande in the Gambia says it's very important because most of these ex-players have been in the game for many years. They know what it takes to be a great coach. And to be honest, it's their generation and their time now to be doing things their own way. The likes of Zidane, Solskjaer, Lampard and Gerrard are all great coaches and deserve their chance, says Mamadou. So most people in favour there then of a former players coaching their clubs. Thanks for all of those comments. Apologies if we didn't have time to read yours out. Well, Solomon, what are your views on this? Because we do see many of Africa's top clubs hiring foreign coaches these days. We know Kaza Chiefs in South Africa and Orlando Paris, two top clubs, uh, uh, coached uh, by a German and, uh, and a Serbian. Uh, we know uh, Zamalek is coached uh, by Christian Garros. We know Al-Hali, the giant, is coached by an Uruguayan. Uh, playing in Africa is quite you know, different you know, compared to playing in Europe. When you bring a, co- a coach from Europe, sometimes they struggle here because here the dynamics are very different. For, for an ex-player, uh, it's, it's easier to connect to it because they, he had either played for club side or played for the national team. So he knows the challenges, the dynamics, and he knows what is expected. So we need to balance that, and we need to be able to train these uh, you know, ex-players to become very great coaches, and we need to give them the opportunity. I think for me that's very important. Sometimes they, they don't have the opportunity to, to coach top clubs. Yeah. Well, Stuart, where our European football expert is with us, just to wrap this up for us, Stuart, because at the highest level, there seem to be other considerations besides just being a former player. And there were mixed feelings when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was given the job permanently at Manchester United. Uh, Many fans were delighted, but some pundits warned that it might not work out. Uh, So two games into his permanent contract, Ole has an unimpressive win over Watford and a defeat to Wolves. Steve, I think that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's previous association with Manchester United was very significant in his appointment, partly because Jose Mourinho had been such a poor fit for the club. Solskjaer was appointed mainly, I think, because he understood the club's ethos and history, something which, frankly, Mourinho never seemed interested in. The simple fact that so many Premier League clubs seem to prefer a foreign managers means that these days there are very few opportunities for British managers, let alone former players at the specific club. But it's no surprise to me that Bournemouth, a Premier League club which has maintained its community links and ethos, would want to have someone like Eddie Howe, a manager with strong ties with the town. I think that really suits what they're trying to do. I think it was impossible for Manchester United not to give the job to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer after the start that he'd made. To the outsider, though, it looks as if his contribution has been more in man management 
By that I mean making the players happy and confident and sending them out to play than in a particular tactical change that he's brought about. But those comments that you refer to from pundits I think are fair because he lacks coaching experience at the top level. He's no track record of success in Europe. But then saying that, look at the previous Manchester United managers, Jose Mourinho and Louis van Gaal, who take all the boxes of experience, previous success, great reputations as coaches. But frankly, neither was able to come close to returning United to the glory days of the Alex Ferguson era. Time will tell how successful Solskjaer will be, but I certainly think he deserves the chance. Well, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, thanks for that, Stuart. Uh, thanks again for all of the comments uh, on this topic. Uh, this week we're asking who will take third and fourth in the English Premier League. Uh, the race for the Champions League spots keeps on changing. Manchester United losing to Wolves. Tottenham and Chelsea having dropped points. Arsenal continuing on a good run. All of that in the course of the last week. So who will end up in third and fourth? Give us your thoughts on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Uh, well, Stuart, it's a big question. How do you think it's all going to pan out now? Well, Steve, the Premier League certainly came back with a bang after the international break with a full programme last weekend and some midweek games as well. At the top, Manchester City still lead Liverpool by one point. But this weekend, Liverpool have a tricky away game at Southampton while Manchester City are playing their FA Cup semi-final. A win for Liverpool, though, would put them back on top and just keep the pressure on Manchester City with six games to go. The quest for third and fourth places, and with it, Champions League entry, is closer than ever. Tottenham, Arsenal, Chelsea and Manchester United are separated by just three points. It would have been even closer had Manchester United not lost at Wolves midweek, a game in which they led 1-0 before losing 2-1, and they played the last 30 minutes with 10 players after Ashley Young became Mike Dean's 100th Premier League red card. United now have it all to do to make the top four, particularly as their last six games include home games with Manchester City and Chelsea. Tottenham beat Crystal Palace 2-0 this week, but what was most significant was that the game was played in their new White Hart Lane Stadium and a crowd of 59,000 enjoyed their state-of-the-art newest stadium in Europe, etc., etc., the only negative is, of course, that the stadium was supposed to be ready last September. Since we last spoke, both Fulham and Huddersfield have been relegated. Cardiff City are five points behind Brighton, Southampton and Burnley. But Cardiff City were dreadfully unlucky last weekend. They were leading Chelsea 1-0 with six minutes remaining when Keta headed the Chelsea equaliser. However, the Chelsea player was clearly at least two metres offside and Cardiff had earlier been denied two seemingly clear penalties. Cardiff's manager Neil Warnock said afterwards, you just need VAR against the big clubs because you don't get the big decisions. 
adding, if the linesman can't see across the line and see offside, I don't know what we're all doing at the game. Warnock will undoubtedly get himself into trouble for his comments, but many people will have a lot of sympathy with his comments and just think what three extra points would have done for Cardiff at this stage of the season. Finally, Connor Cody scored an own goal for Wolves against Burnley last weekend in the second minute. That's the earliest own goal in the Premier League for five years. On the other hand, Toby Alderweireld's 90th minute own goal which helped Liverpool beat Tottenham 2-1 was the latest own goal for two years. Liverpool, incidentally, have not conceded an own goal for three and a half seasons. <laughs> well, some amazing statistics on own goals there. Thanks, Stuart. Uh, so, uh, to look forward to Liverpool away to Southampton on Friday night in the English Premier League, Arsenal away to Everton on Sunday, Chelsea play at home to West Ham on Monday night. Uh, also this weekend, the FA Cup semi-finals, Manchester City playing Brighton on Saturday, and it's Watford Wolves on Sunday. Uh, then, next Tuesday and Wednesday, UEFA Champions League is back with quarter-final first legs on Tuesday, Tottenham against Manchester City and Liverpool playing Porto on Wednesday. Ajax take on Juventus and Manchester United hosting Barcelona in a massive, massive tie. Well, that's it for the show for this week. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.